Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I love what we've been going after. It's so fascinating since we began this on the new year of this whole thing of what does it mean to lean into the promises of God. One of the things we mentioned were was that the promises of God by nature are impossible. Why are the promises of God to us over our lives impossible? Any ideas? Because we can't do them. Because we can't do them. That's why they're promises of God. Otherwise, they'd be like nice little affirmations to myself. You're amazing. You're incredible. Go with your bad self, right? It's not that. It's God saying to Gideon when he's out there hiding, you know, uh, um, winnowing grain in a, in a wine, uh, uh, you know, press. He goes, behold, mighty warrior. Uh, apparently, yet that's the next town over. You, that's okay, right? No, God speaks to us out of not out of who we have been, not out of the life we've lived, but out of the nature, the identity He put into us from before the foundation of the world. And that is a nature that cannot be destroyed by what was done to you or what you did to yourself. Anybody find that might be some good news? Anybody here done, uh, had some things done to you that made you doubt that you had a purpose, identity, or destiny? Anybody here done some things to yourself that made you question whether you had an identity, destiny? Or... Yeah. In that moment, it's so wonderful that God's saying, I know who you are and I called you forth. But the problem is, how can we dream for a place we've never been? How can we go follow God into a place off the map? Now, who are my planners? When you go on a vacation, you have downloaded every single TripAdvisor, every single, you've Googled every possible location. You've got 73 different ways to get from point A to point B and 73 things that we can do while we're at the beach. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no TripAdvisor apart from Holy Spirit in heaven. Anybody get frustrated? Like, Jesus! does it keep saying redirecting? Right? In this thing, God calls us forth and he always does something new. Uh, you know, the verse that Masha really heard over us for this year was Isaiah 43, 19. And so one of the things, if you're going to walk in community, you need to learn how to recognize the voice of God and other people when it doesn't sound like your voice and when you didn't hear it. Masha said that, and my first thought was, that's an old, tired scripture. Anybody? Anybody? You're, you're like, somebody's like, John 316. I'm like, good for you. Right? No. The word of God is mighty and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between soul and spirit. It loses not its power. But Masha heard this first, and my heart did not leap. But I lived long enough to be able to sense Holy Spirit. It wasn't a scream, it wasn't a yell, it was a whisper. I said, okay, let's lean into that. I didn't have any revelation. The revelation is coming. Many times revelation comes as you go. Anybody found that to be true? You felt God leading you to do something, you're like, I don't know, is it, is it? Well, let's just do a baby step. Woo, apparently it's God, right? When you step out, you begin to find God's presence. And so Masha had this verse, and, the, and let's go into that, if we could. Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to back up. We're going to start with verse 14. 
And I, and I have to say, is one of the ways God speaks to me is either a song or a scripture will rise up in my heart. And it's almost, I'm like, I don't know what that is. And he invites me to ask questions. And so this has just been in my heart all week. And I've just been asking him a lot of questions. Isaiah 43, verse 14. This is what the Lord says. So he's speaking. Who is he speaking to? Isaiah the prophet has been telling them, guys, you are abusing the weak. You are denying justice to the poor. You are robbing. You are killing. You are murdering. You are abusing. And you are walking away from God. And you're actually using your religion as an excuse to to say everything's okay. They were doing all the religious festivals and then going out and doing horrible things. And he said, if you keep doing this, you will not be able to remain in the promise. Guys, that's like me saying, if you step off the balcony on my 16th floor apartment, you will hit the ground. It's not, I'm going to push you. Does that make sense? Anybody here explored the, the law of consequences in your life? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're like, I, don't, I wonder what happens if I do that. Oh! Well, there you go, right? And here he's simply saying, if you keep doing this, you will be taken over. You will be driven out of the land of promise that I brought you into. And the very promise will become a curse. And and sure enough, they're going to go into exile. But this is before that happens. This is like 100 years before it happens. He says, but already before you even leave, he says, this is what I want you to know about me. I am your redeemer. You sold yourself into slavery, and I'm already redeeming you. Do you know there's not a thing you can do that God's not like, oh my gosh, (laughs) just did not see that coming. Is that good news? Anybody explored to see how? Anyway, we won't go into that. But, But the reality is, God is not surprised. He has already made abundant provision for your redemption to buy you back out of slavery. The Holy One of Israel, for your sake... I will send to Babylon, the greatest nation in the world at that time, the richest, most powerful. And he said, and I'm going to bring them down as fugitives of its captives. You're going to them as captives, but I'm going to make them captives. And into the very ships, the power that they took pride in. This sounds ridiculous. You've got to understand this. Babylon had been a great power for upwards of 1,500 years at this point. They had been mighty, powerful, rich beyond our imagining. And they had always done what they did, wanted. And they were dominating the world at that time. And, 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 uh, and Isaiah says, listen, but I will take captivity itself captive. That seems ridiculous. That seems impossible. You know God's speaking because it sounds impossible. He said, I am the Lord, just to remind you who's talking. The, your Holy One, Israel's creator, the one who created you, created identity and destiny, wove you together in your mother's womb. That's the one. Listen, not a single one of you is an accident. You know, they say, you know, you know the chances of you being you, being born, there's one in a hundred million. There was a race and you won. Let me tell you, there were 99,999,999 other options just in that one given moment, let alone in life. And God said, I want you. And this is what the Lord says. He says, he who made a path through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. What's he talking about? When he split the Red Sea for the Israelites, right? 
Why? Because he's already bought, brought a captive people out, right? Out of Egypt, right? He said, don't tell me what I can't do. You really want to take God off? Tell him, tell him what he can't do. Tell him that he is too weak to save, that some problem is too great, too mighty for him to move in. Anybody here gone before God and worshiped your problem? Yeah. Okay, three of us. Anybody, do you know what I mean? Oh God, behold this horrible situation that is unbelievably impossible and horrible. And please do something. He says, oh God. He said, do you forget who I am? I'm not caught off guard by this. Before you even went into slavery, I was planning your way back. Before whatever grabbed a hold of you, that broken relationship, that addiction, that, uh, that job that you sold out your birthright for, whatever it is, I was already planning to bring you back. He said, he who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements, the greatest army the world had ever known at that time, probably the army of Thutmosis III, one of the most, the greatest armies of the first three, uh, the three millennia before Jesus, the massive army totally destroyed in the ocean. He said, oh, he said, there they lay, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wig. Okay, so you, you, you know who you're talking to, right? And he just, what was he talking about? He's talking about the past. Look at the past. Why should we look at the past? Because it repeats itself. What? Huh? The precedence. Precedence. It shows what he did. Okay, great. So what's the next verse? Forget the former things. I'm very confused. Why did we just repeat the past if you're telling me to forget it? Because God never repeats himself. He said, see, if we fixate on his acts, we will demand him to repeat himself and we will do magic to make it happen. But if we will see that his acts reveal his ways and his nature and his person, we'll realize he's a redeemer. Listen, listen, he he could have parted the the Tigris and Euphrates to bring them back. He didn't. He's like, "Eh, take a boat. Right? It wasn't about water. He said, I will bring you out, but don't tell me how I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it differently than you can imagine. Forget the former things. Now, you guys remember Jesus? That was not a trick question. Some of you are very confused. No, Jesus, that dude, right? Okay, first century, God with skin on. Okay, Jesus. Jesus, they've been waiting for the Messiah for for hundreds of years, right? Since Isaiah, they've been waiting for the Messiah and they have all these prophecies, hundreds of prophecies telling them in detail what he's going to be like, right? You know, it's like a connect the dots of Mona Lisa. You know, they're like all the dots of, you know, look, he's obviously got a good Jewish nose and, you know, whatever. And they said, oh, he's going to be ugly. He has no form of loveliness to attract us to. Okay, look for ugly people, right? And I mean, they're looking everywhere for him, right? And they've got, they've got, they literally at that time when Jesus showed on the scene, they actually had a ministry of Messiah watchers. Oh yeah. No, they had a whole ministry. Yeah. They would send out whenever somebody looked Messiah-y, they would send out a team of Pharisees to go check them, measure them, you know, do something, do a sign for us, do a, do a miracle. We're watching. Go. Right. They would test them. Right. If you've got the entire, you know, Jewish nose, whatever, you've got the entire 
uh, book on what, G- what the Messiah is going to look like, right? This is going to be great. And you have dedicated your life and you love God and you're pursuing him. Do you think you're going to miss him? The most terrifying thing is there's this moment. They come to him, they say, show us a sign that you're the Messiah. They had, they had certain key ones. They were like, based on Isaiah, that the lame will, le- will, will, will be able to dance. The, the mute will be able to speak. The blind, those who've been blind from birth will be, um, uh, will be able to see. And the leper's cleansed. And they're like, he's like, and, and they go, show us a sign. And do you guys remember when John was struggling? He asked for a sign. Jesus pointed to those things. Why? Because you know you can ask a question in two ways, can't you? Anybody had a, somebody ask, a child ask you this question? Why? Are they asking why? No. 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 They're just, give it to me, right? But there's, why? Why? Anyway, they ask, why? Show us the sign. And he goes, you know, the only sign you're going to get is my dead body. Over my dead body. In the sign of Jonah, I'll be in the grave three days. And they're like, what are you talking the sign, they, they're standing there. But in the middle of it, he's doing signs and wonders. People are getting healed. He's feeding the 5,000. You know, he's feeding. It's just 6,000, feed 6,000. The ministry's growing. It's incredible. Woo! And then he, what does he do? Do you guys remember? He's got a huge crowd of Pharisees, Messiah watchers. You know, if there had been an internet at the time, they would have been like, we are seeing a 75% chance that he's the Messiah. Like they would have the Messiah watch. And, and, but then you had a whole bunch of people. So there were a bunch of people who had an expectation of what he was going to be like. And where did they get that expectation? Because they looked at what he'd done, right? They had his deeds. They had the prophecies. They had, all, they had a whole history of what he had done. But there was another group in that crowd. What, what other? So you got all the, the religious people on one side. Who else is following Jesus at this point? Sinners, sinners right? Sinners at this point. We'll see disciples in a second. But at this point, there's a lot of people who were wearing disciples' T-shirts, right? Like there was some guy out at the edge of camp selling T-shirts like, I'm with Jesus, right? No, I mean, because he was... Who doesn't want to hang out with a miracle-working, awesome dude who might be the Messiah, right? You know, I'm team Jesus, right? And here he is, and he's standing there in the midst. And, and so everybody, and did I mention free dinner and free health care? He'll heal you. Wow, this is a good gig, right? So, man, that, that doesn't, there's not, and there's no price of admission. You just got to get there. Dude, I'll borrow a donkey. I don't mind. Right? And so here he is. He has a whole bunch of people who have needs. Right? They want them met. What kind of needs? Healing. Healing. Restoration. Restoration. Finances. Finances. See, they think he's going to be, because their idea of the Messiah is he's going to be a military ruler. They're going to take over all the world and all the money is going to flow into Israel and they're all going to be wealthy. Nice. Finances. Um, how, about, how about loneliness? Man, you can't be lonely if you've got 15,000 people. You know, or belonging. How about belonging? Right? 
justice. Oh, he's going to get them, Romans. Come on. Right, I've got a need. I've got needs. And Jesus walks in into the middle, and he's like, you guys listening? Yeah. Did you see the signs? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, this is incredible. Are you hungry? No, no, we're good. He said, awesome. Because you're not hungry, all I'm asking is one thing. If you want to be on my team, what is it? We'll do anything. Storm Jerusalem. Take Rome. Woo! And he goes, not a problem. First guy up. Who's first? Who's first? Me, 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 me. All right. Step right up. Take a bite out of me. You can't be a part of me unless you're willing to eat my flesh. You can just see it rippling through the crowds. I'm sorry, what? What did he say? That was obviously a typo. I, I misheard something. My hearing aids aren't in. What? What? No, 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 no. Oh, did you didn't hear me? Okay, 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 okay. In, in case that's not bad enough, because some of you are still here. Drink my blood. Vampire and cannibals for Jesus. It's a new t-shirt. Guys already printing them out on the edge of camp. No takers. Does Jesus explain himself? Now, we today know, what did we just participate in? Communion. Communion, where he said, this symbolizes my blood of the new covenant that is about to be poured out upon the cross for you. I literally am pouring out. If you, he said, if you want to be part of me, I have to be your life. I have to be your purification. I have to be your source of life. He said, but in my body, which is broken for you, your healing is in me. I, was, I am about to be broken. If you want to trust in yourself, this isn't going to work. But if you trust fully in me, this is going to be amazing. That's what he's saying. Does Jesus explain himself? Whose jerk meter is like going off? Now, I would submit one thing. One, could he have explained it to them in a way that would have made sense? Yeah. I submit no. Nobody had ever, ever, ever been crucified for people's sins. This is why to this day the Jews don't know what to do with Isaiah chapter 53 where it says he was bruised for our iniquities. They were like, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody can suffer for another's sins. How could this be? Nothing he said could have made it intelligible. Anybody here, if you've walked long enough with God, found he brought you into a place you couldn't have imagined before you got there? Because you couldn't imagine it. Because where you were, your mindset was one way. And when he got you there, his mindset was totally different. So one of the things I'm seeing throughout the entirety of history is one of the things is the kingdom is the same top to bottom. At the top, on the level of the church worldwide, the movements worldwide, and on the bottom, on the level of the one, you and me, all the way up to the level of the family, the level of the local body, the national, the nation, and up to the world. That God does this at every single level. In every single season, when he wants to move into a new season, he begins to speak about things we don't understand to confound our expectation. And he also calls us out beyond the basic meeting of our needs. I love it. Verse 19 of Isaiah 43 says, See, I am doing a new thing. That's why you can't 
You've got to forget the old things. The old things are actually going to cause you to stumble. Every single time God's done a new move, he has done it with parts of the old, but parts of the new that make no sense. One of the things that happened is he took, he took a, a monk who had been beating his body trying to appease God's wrath and turned him into a preacher of the radical free grace of a loving father. And then he took a church where all they knew was standing, listening to songs in another language, Latin, while some guy did some sort of magical rite up at the front. And he said, guys, it's about all of us. Let's all sing together in your own language. And they made congregational hymn singing. That was Martin Luther, the Reformation. Then he took a logic professor of, from Oxford and decided who tried his desperate to reason his way into God, couldn't, gave up, and encountered a God who gently touched his heart and strangely warmed his heart. And he made that guy into a leader that was known by its critics for emotionalism. A logic professor leaving a movement of emotionalism? Who does that? John Wesley. He takes a coal miner... In the middle of the richest nation on earth, he takes him from a poor little back, back uh, hollow and takes him, young man, in his early 20s, and he turns him into a man who ignites a movement that people flood in from all around the world and encounter God's glory and goodness. Who uses a young man, a coal miner? Who uses him? It's the Welsh Revival. Robert. Or takes a son of slaves in the Jim Crow South to lead a movement that literally brings all the ethnicities together, brings them all to the foot of the throne, brings them all together to worship God and go out in the largest missions movement we've ever seen. Seymour, the Azusa movement. God does this, but every single time, the movement looks different than the one before, and it's offensive. And large portions of the church fails to make the transition. But I would work it down to the level of the one or the family, right? When we're being called out to a new season, God will purposely say, I need you to sacrifice some of the old. And you're like, yeah, but you led me there. That's good. And he'll say, I need you to lay it down. <laughs> I need you to lay aside your understanding, disciples. Why do you think the only people to follow Jesus away from the cannibal and vampire sermon were a bunch of relatively illiterate fishermen and tax collectors who were probably teenagers? Why do you think the, the wise didn't follow? Why do you think the, the desperately hungry didn't follow? Well, let me just ask you, why do you think the desperately hungry didn't follow the true God who shows up with signs and wonders and miracles? They didn't recognize him. He, 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 quit, he quit meeting their needs for a minute. And it revealed what they were there for. You know, I will say this. Uh, I, maybe I said this, uh, I said this at some point to somebody. Maybe it was you. Um, but I was, I was trying to make an omelet the other day and we have a salt grinder 
and I couldn't find it. It, I mean, we, our counter was empty, relatively, and I couldn't find the salt grinder. I looked everywhere, couldn't find it, just got frustrated. And then I looked down, and it was right there. <laughs> now, some of you saying that's a sign of masculinity, but <laughs> before you throw me under the bus, what I realized is it's a cylinder, and I was looking for a cylinder standing up, but it was laying down. We, we are designed for pattern recognition. We look for patterns and we only see what we want to see. We only see what we have learned in the past to see. If we are going to see what we've never seen, if we're going to go where we've never gone, if we're going to be, allow ourselves to be led there, we have to be willing to let him break our understanding and our expectations. Or we will never follow him because he will not explain himself every single move of god if you track it the first few years don't make any sense only the disciples i don't know you know what do the disciples say when jesus goes are you still here and they peter's like um we would love to go somewhere else right now i don't even want to get online and find out what my mother-in-law thinks now because i uh whoo <laughs> yeah I have to go with you, Jesus. I have nowhere else to go. You have the words of life. It doesn't make sense to me, but I know. I hear the voice of Holy Spirit. It doesn't look like the way I'm wired. It doesn't, it doesn't check the boxes I want to be checked. God is not a God that you can come to him with a menu. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Springs up. That's a plant springing up. When a plant springs up, what is it? Tiny? Weak? Anybody here done this when you were little? You planted some seeds and nothing came up, so you dug them up and discovered the seeds were still germinating? Or maybe it came up a little bit, but you wanted to see what was going on. Well, that sure doesn't look like an oak tree. Gosh, what's wrong with this acorn? I think I got a dud. Why would an acorn not look like an oak tree in the first little bit? It grows roots. It's not there yet. Anybody, you have made a life change. Maybe you walked away from uh, a, a broken, you, a history of broken relationships. You're like, I am going to, I'm just going to love Jesus for now because I'm not capable of loving other people. <laughs> I'm sorry, but is that too much about myself? Anyway, and, 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 or maybe, maybe it's walking away from addiction or maybe it's walking away from bankruptcy or whatever it is. You're like, God has said, I am making you new. And you're like, I don't see any evidence yet but I feel this witness of the Spirit, that quiet thing Masha was talking about. <gasps> I'm going to do it. And you step out. And people ask you, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm stepping out. I'm a new creation. And they go, show it. Show me the oak leaves. Show me the oak trunk. Show me the acorns. I don't know where they are. I'm just a little seedling. I'm sorry. Anybody here? Either you or allowed other, or you allowed other people to dig up that little spring that looks so different than anything you'd ever known. 
He doesn't come with radical demonstration. He comes with quiet affirmation. Hear me on this. Jesus came with radical demonstration, but they all missed him when he became unintelligible. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And that, that was the word that God kept whispering in my, my ear. Now God repeats himself. Why do you think God repeats himself? So you know that he's speaking, that you, you didn't hear him the first time. Okay, I like to think I hear him when he speaks. But anybody have God keep repeating but not explaining? Why do you think he keeps repeating and not explaining if I am hearing? Get his point across? Pay attention? I'm thinking about it wrong. I don't understand. Anybody had that? Like, anybody had this kind of conversation with God and you're like, wah, 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 and God goes, really? <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know, right? God will confound our understanding to bring us to a new place and a new understanding. Maybe you have a friend or a spouse or a child and you have a certain point of view about them that is justified by, by history. Are, are you attracted with me? And you have a little courtroom. This is who they are. And God says, says who? I can't, Paul says it this way, we no longer relate to any man according to what? The flesh. I can't afford to relate to you as who you tell me you are. I can't afford to because I can only relate to you as who God says you are. But how would I know who God says you are? Ask. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to confound my expectations and it's probably going to confound my needs. Because a lot of us, most of us, we do relationships based on needs. I love you. You love me. Right? Stroke my head, you stroke mine. Okay. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And he kept whispering that. Do you not perceive it? And I was like, I perceive it? I think. No, maybe. Do I? What? And, and the Lord began to speak to me about something that he has been slowly changing my mind over the years, and I didn't even realize it. I used to... I, this is how I used to look for God and listen to God. And I can still do it. Don't, don't get it twisted. I'm talking on a good day, all right? Most of the time when I would look for God, I listen to God, I would do it because I had what? Why, why do we usually go to God? We have a problem to get answers, right? Are we agreed? Can we just be honest, right? And I'm like, and so this is the way I go to God. God, what about this? What about this? What about this? Anybody found God is incredibly silent when we do that? Like, amazingly silent. Like, unbelievably. Like, wow. God, or why aren't you doing this? Crickets. I learned that doesn't get answers. And I'm not the smartest cookie in the sh on, the, uh, on the shelf or whatever the cookies are, but I am, or in the can, I, but I've got to tell you, I figured out that the definition of insanity is what? Keep doing the same thing, hoping to get a different result. So I was like, okay, God, obviously I'm not doing it right. He said, why don't you come to me and ask me what I want to talk about? Now that makes a lot of sense. 
I don't like it, though. Because I have my expectations and I have my needs. Well, how's that working out for you? Not so good. Okay. And I started to realize, what it, you know how Jesus did his miracles? He said, I only do what? I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear him saying. He went around doing good, destroying the works of the devil. How? He went around looking. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? He went around. What are you saying? What are you saying? He didn't start with assumptions. He didn't start with expectations. He didn't start with needs. One was he, he, he was he was believing and expecting that God would speak. And he has a need to hear the Father. We were made. Man shall not live by what? Bread. Bread. Meeting our physical needs, but by what? Every word that, what, that comes out of where? Not out of this, out of the mouth of God. Sometimes through this, God can whisper, re- speak over this. But I'm saying, listen, anybody read a scripture and it didn't touch your heart at all? And then read the next one and it hit you like a ton of bolts? That's it. That's what I'm talking about. It's when his word whether it's out of here or out of here, speaks and it hits your heart. That's the point. And he sits there and he speaks and he says, that's what will you be your life. That's what you will live from. Not the answers you want, but from that place you'll live and from that place you'll do mighty miracles. And I just realized, because um, who here is intelligent before you have coffee? You can pray for me. I'm not. And so, so I'm going around my, my, anybody, you have your little track? I do my little track. You know, make my coffee, wait for my coffee. And I don't have good thoughts at that point. Like, I don't have thoughts. And in that place, I started to realize, even this morning, I realized I was looking for God. Where are you doing? What are you talking about? What do you want to do? No limitation, no boundaries. What do you want to do? I have my needs, I have my expectations. What do you want? What do you need? I'm confident that my needs are more important to you than... They are to me. And I'm confident that whatever is a part of my expectations that's authentic and real, you'll bring to pass. So I can rest like a weaned child on its mother's knee. I can rest and gaze on Jesus like we were just doing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. God, we stand before you now. Lord, we have worshipped at the idols of our expectations. We have worshipped at the idols of our history. We have worshipped at the idols of our needs. We have worshipped at the idols of what other people have said about us. Lord, in our lives, in our families, in our bodies, in our country, in our world, but you are taking us to a new place in this season that we've never been before, and we will miss it if we don't keep our eye on you. If we don't keep our eye on you. Oh God, we lay aside our wisdom and our understanding, our pharisaical hearts, And we say, have your way, Lord. If we don't understand it, but still you have the words of life. I'm offended 
but you have the words of life and I will not move. God, you're not meeting my needs the way I need, I want right now, but I know you're good. And I know that what I need, you will bring. And I lay aside my demands and I say, oh God, be my God, be my Lord. Jesus, in my life, in my relationships, in my business, in my body, my church, in my world. Lord, in this season, you're doing a new thing. And we will not perceive it unless you open our eyes. You said in Isaiah, in uh, Revelation, you said, come. <laughs> you are blind. Buy from me salve that you might see. That you might see. So God, and then Isaiah said, buy from me without money. Buy from me without cost true food and true drink. Lord, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're blind. Forgive us for declaring that we're clothed and wise. All we need is you, oh God. Lord, let nothing of the past, no matter how good it is, stand between us and what you have for us in this season. If we could have the worship team come up. As we go into worship, I just want you to fix your eyes on Him. And anything that has come between you and Him, anything, whether it's an offense, whether it's an expectation, whether it's a demand, I want you to, say, to be willing. I dare you to be willing to lay it down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to move until you speak to me whatever you want to speak. Let's stand. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.